Awesome. I love this song. And I, I was thinking again about John 4. And that's what made me think about this song. It says, Overflow our hearts as we drink from heaven on high. We have found a fountain that will not run dry. For we feast on his word and his life. We have found a fountain that will not run dry. And then when we worship, we're still talking about worship. We are not as much talking about we are a sweet aroma. We our worship is like a, a, a throne. We build a throne with our praises. But we are also drinking. We come to drink. And the, this relationship between drinking and worship. We're going to read this about this again. John 4, 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. So we, we come, and it's almost like the Lord is saying, asking us, can you give me a drink? And we come and we give him what we can. We draw what we can and give to him. Right? But put, put yourself here. Put yourself as a Samaritan woman. Twice rejected. By being a Samaritan and by being a woman. In that culture. And here comes this man asking her, Can you give me a drink? The Lord is asking you, can you give me something? Then the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, capital Y, Lord, how is it that you are asking me, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. A lot of times we feel like God has no dealings with us. And he still comes and asks us, can you give me a drink? Jesus answered to, and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him that he would have given you living water. That's why we come and we worship and we say, we want to drink of the living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. 
And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. What you can give me, you're going to always be thirsty. But whoever drinks of the water that I, I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The world needs people drinking of this living water. Because then the world changes. Instead of trying to give him something that we can get with a little bucket, like the Samaritan woman, how, can, how are you going to draw water? You know, and how can we change anything if not drinking from him? The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way to here to draw water. And he said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you, whom you now have is not your husband. This you said, have, this you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> or you've heard the gossip going around town. <laughs> <laughs> Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. The relationship between drinking and worship. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. There's a verse that says, we love because he first loved us. We can only worship, we can only love him back when we receive and drink of what he has given us. And the, 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 the danger of worship, and I, I want to talk a little bit about the history of worship. Is that okay? History of worship is tragic. What happened? And that goes back to our verses in Ephesians. You know, Ephesians 4, 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there and by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and craftiness in deceitful scheming. This is Paul warning the church, but a few, a couple hundred years later, what happened was the church went from houses, from worshiping in the catacombs, hidden, under persecution, Constantine became the emperor 
of Rome, and he became a Christian. So around the year 300. So because he was an emperor, you know, he could not go to a service in a simple house. So there, the ideas of church buildings came. And he started building churches around the world that resembled his palace. So in one sense, he was being worshipped. He was creating a way that the emperor was the son of God, right? In Rome, in all the pagan gods. So worship became a reflection of the Roman Empire. And a separation happened between clergy and lay people. Why is this important? When we were, you know, studying the Hebrew roots, we talked about Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was a heresy that was like, people are gonna come, like I just read in, in Ephesians 4, with schemings to control you. And this is what happened in the years 300. You know, people came with these ideas of how to control people. And then they started introducing the idea of a mass in a language that nobody understood. You would go to church and you would watch somebody do something in a language that you did not speak. And you just sat there feeling stupid because those guys know something that you don't. So this is out of this book, Worship Old and New by Robert Weber. This, this is uh, worship as mystery. The idea of worship as mystery has its origin in the mistaken use of ceremonial forms. Forms in and of themselves are not wrong. We can come here and use forms, and they're not wrong if we don't miss the fact that we are here to drink from the living water. We're not here to perform rituals. They're the means through which worship is conducted, the signs and symbols of the reality they bear. However, when cer ceremonial forms become an end rather than the means, they assume a cultic character and tend to replace the message they bear. Just a little break here. Constantine was a worshiper of the sun god. He worshiped the sun as U-N, not as O-N. <laughs> so that's how the church started meeting on Sundays because it was the day of the sun god. Just a little bit of information. <laughs> Back to the book here. This is most no noticeable in the evolution of the external organization of the cult. In the gradually increasing separation of clergy who perform the mystery from the people in the emphasis by means of ceremonial on the mysterious, 
dreadful and sacred character of the celebrant. In stress which is laid henceforth on ritual purity, the state of untouchableness, the sacred versus the profane. Does it make sense? That makes you always feel like you have no access. There are a number of reasons why this change of understanding occurred. First, during the Constantinian era, the church converted many pagan festivals and customs and invested them with Christian meaning. And I could go on and on here with this, but that's not the point. The point is that we are looking for a restoration of our worship. And the restoration of our worship is the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement in Hebrews 9, where he, the veil was rent. And everybody now has access. You cannot come, we should not come here and say, oh my God, I, I, I don't know if I can worship. I, can, I don't know if I, I can get close to God. He paid the price. That's why worship in our communion table is the mo most important thing that we can do together. Because it's a, a, a reminder for us that we do have access. And we, we can worship. And he paid the price. Not only paid the price, his love brought us in. This is a description of the Day of Atonement. And it is interesting because I've been starting to study more about the tabernacle and you have the outer court, you have the holy place and the holy of holies, right? The holy of holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was. The Ark of the Covenant had two cherubim on top of it, protecting what was in there. Right, it was the, the, the staff of Aaron, the hidden manna, and the Torah, the, the scriptures. You know, but it actually was the presence of God. It was protected. And only once a year, the high priest would go in with the 12 stones on his breastplate, representing the 12 tribes. That means he was representing everybody. In one sense, that day of the year, everybody was going in to the Holy of Holies. And what do you do on that day? On exactly the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. This is Leviticus 23, 27 to 32. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day. I, I love that. Because everything has been done. You, you do everything you can until you get to that day. Until you get to the, the perfect fulfillment of this that we celebrate. You shall not do any work on this day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. 
If there is any person who will not humble himself on this same day, he shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on this same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual state statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest. And you shall humble your souls on the ninth of the month at evening. From evening until evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. When Jesus read out of Isaiah, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to set you free. It was a year of jubilee. You know, and I think that we, we have to be looking for a year of jubilee where we, we are freed of the conditionings of this separation that we feel like we're profane and we cannot have access. And I'm blessed, I'm blessing our worship. We're praying about our worship. We're talking about changes with the musicians and band and all of that. And, and we welcome new songs and everything. But Lord, we want the freedom to enter his presence with boldness. That's what Hebrews 9 is talking about. You know, I, I, I don't want to take much longer here. But to me, what I, I encourage you, read Hebrews 9. You know, when we were reading Hebrews, it's like, it's amazing because, Lord, we, we, I don't want to get stuck under the condemnation that a lot of times religion projects to us, that you, you, you will never be able to enter in and you will never be ready. You know, and it's always depending on you doing something and working a little harder. And then, that's why I love these verses here, because it's a Sabbath. On that day, you watch what the high priest can do for you, what he's going to do for you, and what he has done for you. And I bless that because, like the other song that we... We're saying, I want to go higher ground where there are no doubts. You know, like we were talking about the end time, the happy ending. You know, I want to I, I read Revelation and see who is going to win and who is going to be worshipped and who is going to be in charge of all the nations. And we were watching this video Thursday about the creation of the state of Israel, and it broke my heart. You know, and I watched that video maybe three, four times already before, and then when I watched this last week, it, it, I, I was crying because it's how God is in control of the small details of everything. And then you a lot of the parts that you don't understand, but then at the end, like, how did that happen? And then it just made me go back to a trust. Lord, I repent of not trusting you. I repent of not drinking from you 
and trusting that, you know, I, if I drink from you, then rivers will flow. You know, that's the idea. The idea of the kingdom is going to come forth through people. They are going to learn how to drink from him and become rivers themselves. And then there's going to be an overflow of the presence of the Lord in this earth. But not because of what we are working hard to do, but because we learn to wait and learn to drink from him. So I bless this in our process of worship. Lord, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to mistake worship with words, with forms, with rituals, and I repent every time I, I, I am worshiping an idol that depends on what I can give Him. But I want to worship this God that is this spring of living water that is like here. Come and drink at no cost. Eat without pay. Come and just receive. So we bless that for us. I bless that. Lord, fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to us. I, 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 like I said in the beginning, I want to change. One last verse. Come on. You don't want to just hear my words. You need to read the Bible. That's one of the things that we just need to do is go back to the Word because then, then we will trust in the happy ending. First John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We are, but we will be. We already are. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see him just as he is. That's what we should be looking for. You know, when they, before the church became the official religion, Christianity became the official religion of, of Rome, they were under persecution. They would worship. And they're like records that the Lord would appear in their midst. And people are going to be healed. And, and there's like manifestations of the Spirit. You know, and that's what I'm, I'm longing for. That worship, that we, we come one way and we live another way. You know, and we, 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 we are changed. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Every service should be an appearing of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit, of the Word in our midst because we will see him just as he is and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he's pure amen we bless this for us i want to i want to you know continue in working in taking our walls down 
to receive his love. You know, it's like almost like Hosea 6. You know, I hurt you, I broke you, but I will restore you. You know, and it's like on the third day, on the third day. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, I'm ready for the third day. I'm ready for the restoration. You know, of feeling again your presence and, and claiming your presence and your anointing on a new way. Yeah. Amen.